You're listening to Episode 3 of Teacher Approved. You're listening to Teacher Approved, the podcast helping educators elevate what matters and simplify the rest. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. We're the creators behind Second Story Window, where we give research-based and teacher-approved strategies that make teaching less stressful and more effective. You can check out the show notes and resources from each episode at secondstorywindow.net. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. Hey there, thanks for being here. To celebrate the launch of Teacher Approved, we're doing a giveaway. Three lucky winners will receive a $100 gift card to Teachers Pay Teachers. To enter, take a screenshot of your favorite launch episode, episode one, two, or three. Add it to your Instagram stories and tag us at Second Story Window. That's with a two. Bonus entry, follow this show and write a review. Before submitting, screenshot your review and send it to us in a DM so that we know who wrote the review. Giveaway ends April 4th, 2022. In today's episode, we'll be doing a deep dive into retrieval practice and sharing a teacher-approved tip for classroom management. We're going to be starting our episodes with a question of the day, just like we used to do in morning meeting at our classrooms. In the classroom, we called the morning messages, so... That's what we'll be calling them here. This week's morning message is, what's the craziest thing you've ever had to say as a teacher, Emily? And I've heard some good things from other (laughs) teachers, but I know, I remember vividly sitting at the rug for a lesson and looking down and having to say to one of my students, stop licking your flip-flop, please. It's always about licking, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So... I know you have other licking ones. Would you have any yes. other any other oh. crazy things? Yes. Oh, what is it with children and licking things? One of the most memorable has to be when I was on the playground duty at recess and had to remind someone that we don't pee down the slide. No. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> children, aren't they lovely? Yeah, that's one of those job hazards they don't tell you about. <laughs> no. So today we're going to be talking about retrieval practice. But let me start with a question. How many phone numbers did you know memorized in your brain growing up? What do you think? (laughs) Oh, easily half a dozen, but probably more than that. Yeah. Everyone that you would call regularly. I think so. I think probably at least 10 or 12. Do you still have your childhood phone number memorized? I know both of us do. Because we use it as our passcode on. Don't tell people that. I don't know what the number is. Don't break into my Amazon Prime video parental control pin, okay? (laughs) But how many phone numbers do you have memorized today? Uh, Two, mine and yours. Same! (laughs) Yes, outside of my own number and your number, I don't really know phone numbers by memory anymore. In this day and age, we don't have to recall phone numbers anymore. We see a phone number on the screen when we call someone, but we don't ever have to retrieve that information from our memory. So because we're doing nothing with it, It doesn't get stored in there. It gets taken out with the trash. So that leads us to the idea of retrieval practice. And what is that, Heidi? So retrieval practice is when we have an opportunity to access information that is previously learned and when we draw it out from our long-term memory. So every time we access this information, it becomes easier to retrieve in the future. In that way, the brain is like a muscle. I mean, it's not really like a muscle at all, so don't. Come at me. Metaphorically. Yes. (laughs) But the more we strengthen that memory, the stronger it gets. So one way to think of memory is to think of it as a vault versus a wallet. So your long-term memory is that vault. It's very secure. It's large. 
technically your long-term memory is probably limitless. But you, you don't, don't really, have easy yes. access to it's it all the time. It's hard to get into. You can't really pack it around. So we have a wallet, right? This this represents your working memory or what we sometimes call short-term memory. And it's easy. We can get stuff in and out. But it does have a limit on how much you can store. So working memory can only hold maybe max four to five things at a time. Whereas your long-term memory can just go on forever. So the problem is that we make decisions, we use the information that's in our working memory, but we need to get stuff out of the vault to be able to use that when we need that information. So that's what the function of retrieval practice is. We're practicing getting stuff out of the vault and into our working memory so we can do stuff with that information. And the more often we do that with specific information, the easier it gets. When it comes to teaching, we often really are focused on like getting stuff into their little heads, but it actually turns out that it's more effective if we focus on getting stuff out of their little heads. So that that getting stuff out of their heads is known as retrieval practice, and it's one of the most important things we should be doing as teachers. So what are some examples of retrieval practice in the classroom? Let's talk about that. One of the most obvious ones is flashcards, which is funny because they've had a bad rap for so long. They do. But they're actually really useful. And that doesn't mean it's the only thing you should be doing, but it's one of many of the strategies you could be using to practice retrieval. Another thing is no stakes or low stakes quizzes. And the goal here is not assessment, it's retrieval. So the fact that it's a quiz is because obviously they're not using notes or books. It's just whatever's in their head, but we're not going to grade them on how well they do. Another example is worksheets, which again, sometimes get a bad rap, but they are not all created equal. They do have a place. Yes. And and especially ones that require more thought in the questions are going to be more powerful in practicing retrieving that information. Another option is think, pair, share. So that's when you have, you give them a question to think about, you know, about the first president or something, and you give them a minute to think, right? So they're accessing the vault, and then you pair them up to talk about what they both thought of, and then you can have a class discussion about it. But that's that think time that's so key to the success of this activity. And then there's exit tickets, which I think most teachers are familiar with, but it's Basically, giving the kids an opportunity to answer a question, write out something in a prompt before they leave at the end of the day. And partially, it's a great assessment tool to just kind of see where they're at. But more than that, it's giving them that retrieval practice again before they head out the door. And then there's brain dumps or free recall, where you can just be like, okay, write down everything you know about the phases of the moon. And then they're just getting that practice of pulling stuff related to information out of their brains. Because it's, again, the more often you can access it, the easier you can access it in the future. And then there's closed book, closed note summaries of the day's learning, which maybe in place of an exit ticket, you might want to do this at the end of the day. Yeah, anything like, what were your takeaways from this? Or anything to summarize what the lesson was just about. So how can we move from reviewing information to retrieving information, Heidi? I think, yes, as teachers, I think we spend a lot of time like, how are we going to review this when really we should be asking ourselves, how can we help our students retrieve that? So any, really any activity that requires students to access information without the support of notes or a book, that is going to be beneficial in helping their long-term memory of the information. 
Even a pretest can be useful because it's priming the brain about what they're going to need to know. So think about it in terms of, let's say you've done a unit on parts of the cell and the kids are going to have to be able to recall this on a test. So you give them a blank cell. Normally you would have them label it with the help of a book, but without the book, they're really having to think about like what they know, what parts are connected. How does this line up with this? So they're having to really apply that information in ways that they wouldn't have to if they were just copying. Because I think for a long time, we just assumed that like rereading the information in the textbook or reviewing our notes was helping us learn them. And seeing the information again can be useful, but it isn't the most beneficial. We have to be able to do something with that information. And I think that's why things like practice tests are really so effective for learning because you're having to retrieve the information. And then afterwards, you can get feedback too on what you did wrong, which is a really powerful tool for helping extend understanding. Yeah, you know, right where the holes are, right where you were struggling. And you have that increased momentum to be like, okay, well, what was that? <laughs> where where did I go wrong? It really boosts the learning in ways that other types of activities can't. Right. Hopefully this will help you understand why we talk so much about retrieval practice and why you're going to hear more about it in the future from us and how it helps students really internalize what they're learning. And we'll be sharing lots of different ways that you can apply this in your own classrooms and for your own students. Right. Now let's talk about this week's teacher-approved tip. Each week we're going to leave you with a small actionable tip that you can apply in your classroom today. This week's teacher-approved tip is... Don't ask questions that don't need asking. I think we have all walked into this trap, especially as new teachers. And oh, yes. Like, okay, everybody take out your books, okay? And then they say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it should not have been a question. Do you have any examples of this, Emily? Well, now that we're talking about it, I actually have seen this in other teaching examples, not just in the classroom. I actually observed it at church. <laughs> When this sweet 18-year-old girl was leading the singing time with the young children, and she just kept walking into it over and over, where it was like, okay, should we sing that again? No. And then she would just turn around and do it again. Just And she was so unconscious of what she was doing, and a little flustered every time they said no. I think she just assumed they would cheer back, yes! And that's why we're asking it, because that is the response we're hoping for. Because that is very reassuring. To say something and have this cheer of approval (laughs) from your students. But most of the time, that is not what's going to happen. And you're going to have at least one smart aleck that's going (laughs) to yell no. So just don't set yourself up that way. Don't make a question out of something that's not a question. Unless it's going to be optional. If they say no and you're going to be like, okay, well, we won't do it then. Then it doesn't need to be a question. If you're going to do it either way, don't phrase it as a question. (laughs) I think I've heard that applied to parenting as well. Like if you're saying, hey, should we go to bed? (laughs) <laughs> do, you, do you want to brush your teeth? Well, no, no. I do not. <laughs> Thank you for asking. So, yeah, don't make it a question if it shouldn't be a question. Now, to wrap up the show, we're going to share what we're giving extra credit to this week. Heidi, what are you giving extra credit to? I am giving extra credit to Karen Cassidy on Instagram. She is a comedian, but she does teacher sketches, I guess. That she's a, Impressions. a point of view <laughs> comedian. So she does, you know, a teacher in assembly or how teachers act in the hall. And it is just, she's not a teacher herself. So 
I do have to say that, but she nails it so spot on of like how a teacher acts in the hallway when you're like, shh, shh, you know, getting everyone in line. And then you see your teacher friend, you're like, hey girl, you know, <laughs> you or know sitting in an assembly and you're oh, yeah. leaning out of your seat with it, that teacher look, look on your face. Oh, the like, look, yes, yes. The looks are so Or classic. walking around with, during testing. That one's very funny yes. where you're watching them do the wrong answer. Yes. And you're, and you're just kind of like, them you know, look. the over... <laughs> Pull down your glass a little bit, maybe tap on the <laughs> Not paper. Not saying we would yeah. ever do that, no. but they're very funny. You might want to think about that one again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's spot on. It's so like painful almost because it's so like, oh yeah, that's me. That's that was me today. <laughs> so if you want to check her out, she's Karen D and then Cass with three S's on Instagram. Let us know what you think because she's hilarious. She's a fun follow. Yeah. What about you, Emily? What's your extra credit? I'm giving extra credit to the podcast oh. with Knox and Jamie. <laughs> Heidi's had so to hear fun. about the podcast for years and years because it's my great love. <laughs> I listen to the podcast episodes every time they come out. I listen to them that day. It's a pop culture podcast <laughs> hosted by these two friends that I just... I feel like Knox and Jamie are just part of the family at this point. They absolutely are. And they have a long list of running inside jokes that makes it fun to be a B-Fot. If you're a B-Fot, you know what that means. It's the best <laughs> friend of the show. If you're looking for some lighthearted entertainment news, this is where to get it. Because you'll get it with a side dose of snark and humor. And <laughs> it will just make your day. So don't listen to other podcasts except ours. But you yes, can listen course. to the podcast <laughs> if you want. That's it for today's episode. This week, our teacher-approved tip is don't ask questions that don't need answers. We'd love to hear your experience with things you never thought you'd ask as a teacher over on our Instagram at Second Story Window with a two. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share with a teacher friend. See you next week. Bye! We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast apps so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group. We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye.